You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam. With me, as always, is Cal. Cal, it's a new month, and we're back home where this all started, as we talked about recently on the show, where the whole genesis for this podcast came from, we're back in the world of the original Batman the Animated Series. We're going to be finishing out that those season one DVDs this month, and today we have the episode The Clock King to talk about. Yeah, man, uh, I'm excited. Um, if you recall, way, 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 way back, we had to do some go in the way back machine to figure <laughs> out where we left off here. And uh, we suddenly realized why we had taken such a long hiatus. Uh, we had three to four month hiatus from Batman the Animated Series because we left off with Fear of Victory. Oof. Oh boy, that was a rough one. Dollar in the uh, bad episodes jar. Man, that was... Uh, that. I, so immediately, I was a little bit... Uh, had some PTSD, I think. I was <laughs> a little worried going into this episode, but I, I, I think I ended up being pleasantly surprised. And uh, enjoying this one. So I'm glad to be back at Batman the Animated Series. It was like a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, we, we got out of our Elseworlds. We're back home in the DCAU, baby. Absolutely. And so we picked up with an episode which, in some ways, this episode is very memorable, memorable to me. The villain, the Clock King, he existed prior to uh, Batman the Animated Series, but he was like a real like 1950s type. He was had like a big cape and then he had like a mask which was a literal clock face <laughs> and just real over the top i believe that version of the clock thing actually uh, clock king actually does appear in a couple episodes of uh the brave and the bold cartoon i have seen but, the stills from that yes. but yeah it's uh, better suited for that type of animated series than uh for for the the gritty realism of uh this these early Batman episodes. With that said, I, I, I didn't... I You know, I, I think that they do a good job of integrating... It does feel like a very, very Silver Age uh, or Golden Age, maybe even. Yeah, probably yeah. S- Silver Age, Bronze Age uh, Batman story. It, it's it's a lot of comedy, uh, subtle comedy, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, 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 it, there's a lot of happenstance that occurs. We'll jump into plot, I guess, to start. Sure. As we always seem to do. Uh, but we ha- are introduced... Introduced in the very beginning of the episode to this guy named uh, Temple Fugit, which, uh, yeah, that's a play on words <laughs> in case anybody knew, uh, didn't, didn't. You don't grasp the subtlety. <laughs> right, exactly. So the, his parents named him Temple Fugit. Okay. Yeah. So you know he's also very, show signs of some uh, slight OCD, I would say. Uh, yeah. Um, and of course, because this is comic books, anybody that has any sort of uh, <laughs> you know mental disorder or any sort of uh, you know mental disability, they're they're automatically going to be a supervillain. Of course. Uh, so uh, his his fault, uh, Temple Fugit's fault, is that he is obsessed with time. He has uh, he apparently rides. The, the subway every day uh, with a counselor, a, a lawyer who turns out to eventually become the mayor of Gotham City, Hamilton Hill. Uh, there's a flashback at the beginning of the episode uh, where their interaction, and apparently they've been riding the train for a long time. Mayor Hill comes off as quite the douchebag. Oh, yeah. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't remember his Doesn't name. remember him despite uh, Temple Fugit uh, <laughs> being saying, named Temple right. Fugit. Come on, man. Like, his name's not Bob Anderson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Hill, huge jerk. <laughs> um, so, so you know, so 
through happenstance and through some sort of, you know, Hill tells him he needs to relax. Temple Fugit uh, says he has a big court case coming up where his company, which we find out later is a watchmaking company apparently, uh, has been levied with a $20 million uh, judgment against them and he needs to be in court to try and, and, you know, to combat this judgment. And uh, unfortunately, due to Mayor Hill or at the time uh, Lawyer Hill's (laughs) <laughs> bad advice to loosen up and take a take get out of his routine and uh thanks to some some kids that hit <laughs> these kids are mean <laughs> they throw a ball at him and make him lose his lose his papers uh, and then a dog that looked a lot like scooby doo barks yes. barks and forces him to fall into this fountain i don't i don't know he doesn't i don't remember them saying what time the court case was but what did it take him 50 minutes to get out of that <laughs> fountain like <laughs> why was he so late and he's still dripping wet yes uh, anyway so he loses the court case and this he has a personal vendetta then we flash forward seven years and He's determined to try and upset Mayor Hill's uh, re-election campaign through various means, making him look buffoonish. Seems that Gotham already has sort of a uh, bit of distrust with Mayor Hill yeah. as it is, and he's playing into that. But it eventually just turns into him kidnapping and ultimately <laughs> trying to squish Mayor Hill between two arms of a giant clock uh, in the middle of Gotham City. And uh, yeah, man, like we always say, a tale as old as time, you know? <laughs> Pun intended. Correct. <laughs> Uh, lots of clock puns in this. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story. I like the vendetta. You know, personal vendetta stories are are always interesting and seem to be a big motivation for a lot of villains. Yeah. Um, I learned in this in this story not only is Mayor Hill a terrible dad, if you'll recall <laughs> from Make Him Laugh, which yeah. you can check back on our website at dcaereview.com, but uh, he's also a terrible mayor. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, yeah, like, there's a scene where uh, Fugit is sort of messing with, like, the power grids, he's messing with uh, traffic lights and causing accidents, and immediately everyone just turns around, because Mayor Hill's motorcade was involved in uh, some of the, the, the traffic backup, and they just all turn and point, and they're like, it's this guy's fault, he sucks! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, who could blame him? But <laughs> He's clearly a bad father, he's clearly a bad mayor, I mean, and, and the, this is uh, the one thing I will question though is because Bruce Wayne is on his way to Mayor Hill's re-election rally, and you can maybe say this is because he's trying to keep up appearances. But we also know Bruce Wayne went to Mayor Hill's son's birthday party, so are they friends? I guess. So, like, you would think Bruce Batman slash Bruce Wayne wouldn't want to even even just for the publicity of you know. <laughs> Throwing people off the scent. Like, this guy's a dummy and he doesn't seem very good at his job. But and- Bruce is apparently, like, putting money in his face into trying to help this guy get reelected. Yeah, they don't. I don't think they ever flesh out the, the Mary Hill character, which I'm perfectly okay with. You have, <laughs> you have a giant long series here. I don't need to know all of no. you know. That's what every live action series uh, now done by a- any major network is we have to flush out all the supporting Batman characters I don't need yes. to know uh, about Mayor Hill but I guess maybe you could you could assume that because uh, he works with Commissioner Gordon that he may be one of the people that is determined to clean up Gotham I, mm-hmm. I don't know um, Batman trusts him for some reason uh, despite the fact that he's clearly a, a giant buffoon although <laughs> in reality he didn't know that all of these circumstances were going to happen and that's 
Triple sure. Fugue, it turns out, you know, he's this personal vendetta against Mayor Hill was nothing more than uh, just a, a unfortunate accident that that led to him losing this court case. But sure. because he's insane, he sees Mayor <laughs> Hill as the person that's responsible for it and wants to ruin him. Um, so I I kind of struggled with figuring out whether or not I like this episode or not. It, it does hold a near and dear. Uh, I, I I remember seeing this episode uh, probably more times than a lot of the other ones. Uh, you know, not I don't know if we had this on on videotape or I not. I think we might. I feel have, like we did. Yeah. Uh, that the the climax, the final scene between Batman versus uh, the Clock King, as he calls himself, uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, is is good. It's memorable. It's a it's a good fight. We commented. This guy's probably in his mid fifties or sixties, <laughs> based on the fact that he has gray hair. He's yes. completely bald, and he, to our knowledge, had no sort of martial arts training or fighting no. skills. He was a he was a watchmaker or yeah. the CEO of a watch company or something. Uh, and he's OCD, but he seems to get the best of Batman in this, <laughs> uh, which I get it. You, you, a guy in a suit, you have to make him, and he's not the Riddler, he's not the Joker, so you right. have to give him some sort sort of, but I feel like they made Batman a little too weak at times. A little bit, and, and they do throw in some lines about how, like, he's kind of studied Batman, and he sort of realize like, he's down to the second, he realizes, like, how quickly Batman can throw a punch, and, like, where he's gonna throw the punch, and so they're, they're trying to tell the story that this guy clearly isn't necessarily a physical match for Batman, but he's so, uh, you know, he's so far out ahead right. of Batman that he can, he's always anticipating what Batman's next move is gonna be. So there, uh, I, that, that works a little bit. I think that works in the, in the clock, in the scene at the end in the clock tower. I sure. think that works there. But yeah, for for most of the episode, Batman's rendered pretty uh, pretty impotent. Like I do, I do like the bank scene where he gets locked in the vault. I thought that yeah. was that was kind of innovative. I thought that was kind of um, you know he realizes in that moment the Clock King knows he's not going to beat Batman in a fist fight theoretically one on one. So he traps Batman, and Batman has to use his you know detective skills and his resources to try and figure out how he's going to get out of this vault as the air is sucked out. I did like that. Yeah. Um, so I I ended up giving plus a 6 out of 10. Um, what about you? Yeah, I give it 5 out of 10. I think it's it's solid. There's nothing bad about it. I like, as you mentioned, the, the sort of very basic revenge plot. Mayor, uh, or, or Councilman Hill, as he is at the time, or whatever, is not... He didn't tell Fugit to take a, a break because he was trying to sabotage his life. He was just doing it, trying to offer like a piece of advice to a guy. And there's a throwaway line at the end that I feel like would have maybe benefited earlier yeah. on if he makes the point of saying to maybe to Batman or Batman sees that Mary Hill's law firm was actually representing the people that had levied this judgment against yeah. him and ultimately ruined him. But it's not revealed till the very, very end in sort of a throwaway line that yes. he says, Oh, you're you know, your 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 law firm represented you know the 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 plaintiff, so it, it, very interesting. Yeah, and that that almost feels like something that could have been followed up on if they uh, or something where Batman questions him or something, and and Hill obviously does deny it in the moment. He's you know I didn't have anything to do with that case. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, that is sort of left a little more, uh, I guess, a little ambiguous as to sure. whether or not. Well, but but it's as it is set up in the, in the first flashback that we see at the start of the episode. Hill's just you know. He meets this guy who's 
clearly wound too tight <laughs> and tries to give him just like, hey man, just relax, take it easy. Right. And you know, the second you take it easy, everything goes to everything goes to crap for this guy, and so he uh, he uh, kind of blames. <laughs> uh, of course, he then has to blame Mayor Hill and become a supervillain. That's that how it goes. What yeah. what other uh, <laughs> what other choice did he have? Right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, and we can move on here to music. Okay. I'm gonna be honest, I was not really a big fan of the music in this really? episode. I, I found the Clock King's main theme a little underwhelming. Huh. And, uh, to me it felt like uh, it could have used a more, again, maybe it's not unfair because I'm comparing it to maybe some of the great themes of the series. Sure. The Riddlers, the Jokers, the Penguins, uh, Two Faces, and maybe it's not fair, but to me it's just, like, this episode, because it's not super strong in the plot, and maybe not super strong in other categories, it could have really used, like, a, a real great, like, a forgotten or last laugh-esque, like, really great musical theme that mm-hmm. travels throughout the episode, and that's not really here for me in this so I felt a little let down by the score, personally. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. And, uh I'm going to hold off to, for scores to figure out, but it sounds like we might have to set off the disagreement alarm. Um, I love this theme. I think from the get-go, uh, from the opening credits, um, it punctuates it. It fits it well. There's something that the the timing of the music it feels very like time-centric, and it's mm-hmm. it fits the Clock King. I don't remember. I know there's a second Clock King episode, but I don't know if they reuse the theme back. Uh, in, in the second episode, which Time Out of Joint, I believe, is that episode, yes. uh, which, from my recollection, still holds a great, great uh, memory. <laughs> I, I love that episode with Batman and Robin. Yes. Ti- time warping stuff. Really, really interesting stuff. I uh, can't wait to review that one down the road. Uh, but... Th- I, I love the I love the theme. Um, I think the the in between is is not very much, but that end fight scene where they're in the clock and they're jumping from you know cogs to cogs and going mm-hmm. up chains and stuff. I think it punctuates that scene very well. So I I really really like the uh, the music. What did you give your what was your score? So my score was five out of ten. Oh no! Play the alarm. Uh oh! I gave it a nine out of ten. Wow! Yeah I, I yeah I I mean I already said I I really like it. I think it's I think it is memorable. I, to me, it ranks up there now it's not as high up there i think as as um as you know your your classic themes but it as soon as it played it was played i remembered it like i was able okay. to, to me it, if it's memorable and it like brings up that nostalgic feeling you're like oh yeah this is the clock king theme if, even if you don't know it right off the bat i i think that that to me that makes a good musical piece fair enough uh yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I just, I feel like I, I wanted more out of it, and I didn't feel like I, I got it there. But, you're wrong. you know, we're allowed, we're allowed to disagree occasionally yeah, on this show. It's rare, as uh, long-time <laughs> listeners know. Not not that often that uh, we have that big of a disparity in our scores. But uh, It's true. Uh, moving on to visuals and animation. Uh-huh. Um, Batman's pretty on model in this episode. There's not, not a lot of weird nose or weird... Uh, ears or or anything or weird chins. Yeah, the weird um, weird thing is this is an episode that is dominated by daylight. That yes, it, it takes place completely during the day. Yeah, except for and even the end scene, like it's a little darker in the in the final scene, but that's more I think because there's like a storm moving in, so the, it becomes cloudy and the sun goes away. But yeah, it's it's mostly pretty much brought like. It's the morning because Bruce and Alfred are talking about uh, stopping for breakfast or something. By the way, we didn't even talk about the plot point of 
Batman riding in the back of Bruce Wayne's limousine for like the, for entire, for the episode. entire episode. Very bizarre. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think I was surprised that the fact that it takes place during the day mm-hmm. wasn't as much of a detriment as it has been in the past. Certainly not. Um, I don't know if that was just they were, it was simpler stuff, uh, but like Batman looked fine. Uh, there's actually a very, very cool shot where, uh, as Batman runs, uh, th- he comes out of the limo, goes into the building to try to go confront the Clock King, and as he's running up the stairwell, you just see his silhouette, and the first time you see him run up, it's Bruce Wayne, and then the next time you see him, it's he's turned into Batman, and he's and then you sort of follow him up the staircase in silhouette. That's a really, really cool uh, 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 trick that they used, I think, visually to do the Absolutely. the quick change. It wasn't quite right. It wasn't Max Fleischer Superman where he just dives through the you know the the revolving door and comes out in in the suit. But there was some of that though. Right. There was a revolving door involved. That's true. He did go through a revolving door, and then uh, but then he yeah. By the time he got is up to the top of the roof, of course, he's in the full bat suit. I thought that was well done. Some of uh, Clock King's. So we mentioned this. Clock King's suit is uh, pretty similar to Bruce Wayne's classic brown and, brown and yellow. Uh, Same tailor, I guess. So, yeah, brown. It's a popular suit. That brown era. blazers with khaki pants and brown yellow shoes. shirts. Uh, very popular in this era, apparently. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, the Clock King, I guess we mentioned this sort of in passing at the start of the show. Clock King was this really over-the-top, silly, uh, uh, golden, silver age character do you like the simplicity of design? Basically, the only real clock thing is is his cane is like a clock hand, and then he has the glasses with the clock hands on the on there instead of his eyes. Basically, do you do you like the design for Clock King? Yeah, I, if he was if he looked like the the design that they used for uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, or that that classic look, it it would it would be yeah, it would just be bizarre. <laughs> I think um, I think it fits in with what the storyline is. He's not. He turned into a supervillain, I guess, but he's not. His goal isn't to create chaos and do crimes. He just wants to kill Mayor Hill, like, and and let everyone know that he's a bad mayor. Right, exactly. So his his goal is is more. He's not a criminal, which is what those guys that are criminally insane do. They get costumes and gimmicks and right. Do, you know, decide they're gonna build their whole gimmick around. And he builds a gimmick around his, you know, his love of time and being on time and OCD and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I, a, a green costume with a clock face mask <laughs> would have been severely out of place I think, bit. for this. Um, I, I, I think overall, I think the, the visuals were, were good. There were a couple times where I was like, Ooh, that, that doesn't look good. Um, there are, one of the things that drives me nuts is the, the decision to give Mayor Hill no white, I, like his eyes aren't white, their skin color, which is fine. Yeah. You have some characters for whatever reason that they chose to do that, where they don't give them the whites of the eyes. It's just flesh colored. But halfway through this episode, or sorry, in the final, sorry, in the third act of this episode, when he's tied to the clock handle, his yeah. eyes go from skin color to white to skin color back to white for an entire scene. It's really, really bizarre. Yeah, and, and an odd, odd inconsistency. Um, you know, so I, I didn't, that was distracting for me, and I, I did like, uh, one of the things I did want to mention that I liked was in that final battle, whether, whether inside the, the giant clock tower, a lot of, the, there's a couple 360 sort of pans that they do as they're riding uh, on the, the co- internal cogs, yeah. 
uh, um, the way that uh, Batman gets to use his uh, his magic goggles again. Oh yes, and making a, an appearance for the first time in quite a while. Um, <laughs> maybe since that first episode, I'm not. Sure. I, think I can't. There's one other, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which one it is. Yeah, it's the magic goggles that tell you where to find the clues <laughs> right. and how, what what's important to know about the clues. The magic evidence finding goggles. Yeah, uh, good cameo from that. Uh, and uh, g- good Alfred in a new outfit in his uh, chauffeur's outfit. That's true. We yeah. did see that, of course, in Mask of the Phantasm, but yeah. uh, first time seeing that, I think, in the uh, actual series here. But uh, yeah, uh, it's strong. Um, you know, the the eyes thing really really brought the score down <laughs> for me. Um, and uh, just just overall, uh, there were a lot of kind of far away shots, some some distant pans, and that really kind of leaves the animation a little weak in, in places. But that said, solid, especially for a daytime episode, 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right around there. I went 7 out of 10. I I really liked that final se- sequence in the clock tower, as uh, pretty much for all the uh, uh, reasons that you've already mentioned. Uh, I kind of liked the way they visualized Clock King just sort of being half a step ahead of Batman. He's just sort of always ducks out of the way right in time as Batman's about to hit him or whatever. And then Batman sort of using his, his, his being a little overconfidence against him and the, uh, you know, getting him to shove his, uh, his cane to the gears and, and sort of stop the clock from moving. It's uh it's, it's well done. And, and the final shot is as Hill is falling and you just see Batman's hand reach out and grab him. I thought it was uh, was well done as well. So yeah, a cool thing about this episode too, and then we can move on to the next next uh, topic. But uh, I, I feel like they were able to kind of bring in some of that um, fun from the fifties of you know giant props and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You're on a giant clock. Yeah. Um, and the clock is about to smush Mary Hill. Um, Batman is on these giant cog pieces of, of you know, basically a giant watch, yeah. essentially. Uh, but also didn't make it super silly. So you take this character, you take some of those those aspects and visuals from the 1950s comics that people were familiar with, but you bring it into the sort of modern, serious mm-hmm. Batman. And I think, I think that, that's done really well. I, yeah, I would agree with that. And moving on to our final category of the day... We have, of course, voice actors. A pretty small cast. Yeah, what uh, do we have like four or five people. Yeah, as far as we have our our main our main staples, obviously Kevin Conroy now from Zimbalist Junior. Bob Hastings. A little bit of yeah, a little bit of Bob Hastings Bob. as uh, as Commissioner Gordon, and we have the returning Lloyd Bachner as Mayor Hill, who's obviously made a couple appearances now, mm-hmm. but uh, really the first one since Make Him Laugh, where he was actually a central focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I. And then, of course, we have Alan uh, Ratchins, or, or, or Rations. I'm not exactly sure how you uh, pronounce the last name. but What did you think of him? He's so over the top. He is. But it almost slips back around for me to, like, because it's so silly. Yep. That uh, when he does his big villain laugh as he's standing on a clock tower mm-hmm. and that he is tied to the mayor of Gotham City, too, it's like it's so... Like as you mentioned, pretty. It's like a, such a Dick Spring era Batman tale. Yep. Uh, in that way, even though they didn't use the garish over the top costumes, is it's it's real. It's real. Uh, it's real. It, like it's it's. It wasn't necessarily. I don't think it's a great performance, mm-hmm. but I liked it anyway. Yeah. If I, that makes sense. I think that's that's fair. That's kind of where I I left it. It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Metallo, of Metallo, hmm. um, in that it is an over-the-top, over, mm-hmm. not in the same way, because uh, that performance is done in in a serious way, but it's still act 
acting, you know, very theatrical, very, very theatrical, stage, exactly. uh, stage play. And then it's, I feel like it's the same performance, similar performance here where he, he's very intentional with the words he's saying and his delivery of the lines. Um, but it's, it's a little bit, it is like Saturday morning cartoon villain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit of Serpentor or, you know, Skeletor <laughs> or oh, yes. Cobra Commander or wherever you want to go. Um, but it, it fits the character. He's very dry. Like he adds a little bit of dryness to it too, mm-hmm. um, which kind of plays into this very robotic time. He runs on time. Like mm-hmm. that's what he does. Um, it, it kind of allows Batman to also be a little more animated. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended as than he usually is. He mm-hmm. has, because you're dealing with such a sort of proper, uh, devoid of emotion, as you mentioned, villain, Batman and Mayor Hill have to be very, like, they have to sort of carry the more emotional, like, what is this madman doing here? Right. Like, uh, that type of performance. And I think I think Kevin Conroy does a good job there as playing a, a bit more of a, a bit more emotional Batman than maybe we're, we're used to seeing for these average episodes. Yeah, and I, I think he, he the Clock King uh, does a, a good job of interacting with Mayor Hill. Um, they have they have good chemistry, and I think that's that's the majority of the episode. Um, especially in that, that last scene where Mayor Hill finally realizes, like, when he tells him who he is and why he's doing this, yeah. and he realizes it, and he's sort of appe- trying to appeal to him, like, right. hey, I, you know, it wasn't on purpose, I'm sorry. That was that was some good chops there from, from Lloyd Bachner as Mayor Hill. Um, I gave, it was solid, because it's such a small cast, and because we did say... It was not a great performance right. uh, by Alan Rachens or Rachens as 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 the Clock King, but it's still likable. Um, I gave it seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm uh, right around that uh, right around that uh, area as well. I went with six out of ten. Like I said, it's solid, and I like what he did with it. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of still clash a little bit with the rest of the world that's sure. that's been set up, even with these sort of over the top theatrical villains like a Joker or a Riddler. They still play kind of more within the rules, I feel like, sure. than, than Clock King does. But uh, not again, I still enjoyed it. So Absolutely. He did something right there. And I guess that brings us to our final scores. It does. Uh, except... Oh, I hear... Yes, that's the bonus point sound. Uh, yeah, so it turns out I have one this week. And this is for an offhand mention. Uh, the address of the Clock King's uh, secret hideout is uh, it was thirty six something Brayfogle Drive, which of course is referencing the the legendary Norm Brayfogle, uh, great artist, great Batman artist from the Detective Comics in the seventies and eighties, uh, incredibly influential at the time. Even if you don't know that name, if you just Google that name and cover, you'll see a whole bunch of Batman covers that I bet you'd recognize. Yeah. He's also the first man who ever drew the Tim Drake Robin mm-hmm. in a comic, mm-hmm. uh, so that's holds a special place in my in my heart. The, the, you know the the red and, the full red and green like ninja outfit that uh, became the sort of the iconic Robin look for for several years. So uh, I love that they gave him a shout out because that's one of the things I don't necessarily remember super well mm-hmm. from this series is them doing a lot of like cheeky Easter eggs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So to hear that one there, and of course when we were kids, we weren't really yeah, we didn't aware know. of comic artists' names and stuff like that. So it's not something we would have picked up on back in the day. That's why it's an Easter egg. Yes, like, you get it now, and there may have been one or two people that were watching yeah. at the time as adults that may have picked it up. But it was, it's a cool little nod from the creators of this show who are 
obviously recognizing some of the some of the giants that have come absolutely before them. and uh, yeah unfortunately norm uh, norm passed away last year hmm. so especially because of that and again because of uh, his great contributions to the the world of Batman. I just thought it was it was uh, definitely good to give a little extra uh, extra shout out there for that. Absolutely. And that'll bring us to our final scores here, Cal. Excellent. As I mentioned, I have a final score of twenty three out of forty. Okay, and mine was a little bit higher. And obviously, we dis- disagreed on the score of of music. And because of that, my score is a little higher. I ended up with a score of twenty eight. Out of forty, all right, um, and I guess this would lead us to talking about uh, rewatchability. Would this be one that you need to watch? One that's good, even though you don't need to watch it. How do you feel about this one? I I'd say it's definitely not a need to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean that that may change uh, when we when we finally do a time out of joint mm-hmm. and uh, figure out whether or not because you need to know who the character is sure. in order to understand the impact of or that if, episode. If you're watching Justice League Unlimited, true, he but, is part of the the Suicide Squad or Task Force X in that universe. That's true. Um, so. So yeah, I, I would say you don't. This isn't a have to, uh, but if you're watching through, watch it. Um, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to rewatch this one a hundred times. It, I had some good nostalgic feelings from it. Uh, it's not one that I would necessarily pick to go to, but it's not a skip it for me. What about you? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a fair assessment. And as you mentioned, he does have these later appearances in the ser- in the in the various DCAU series that are pretty important. So I, I think it's it's worth watching and. If you are interested in seeing a little bit more fleshing out of those side characters, if you enjoy seeing sort of the, these ancillary characters like Mary Hill getting a, a, a you know a full episode kind of devoted to them, then this is probably worth watching. So yeah, I think it's I think it's solid. I think it's worth watching. Certainly, if you haven't seen it before, or maybe you're, if you're going to do a rewatch of the series, it's, it's it's worth checking out. Or maybe you want to educate your kids on what a cassette tape is. <laughs> And why Batman breaks this thing open and uses the tape to, to string yeah. the bomb across. Like, you see, kids, back in the day, we didn't have MP3s. Right. <laughs> anyway. So it's a history lesson for, for your Just for kidding. Your kids know what t- cassette tapes are because they're selling them in, in Walmart. Bizarre. Real bizarre. Anyway. Everything is cyclical, I suppose. But that'll wrap us up here for this week. Uh, as always, please follow us on Twitter, at DCAU Review. If you are newer to our show and want to go back and listen to some of our past episodes, you can, of course, find them on iTunes and the Google Podcast app. But if, but if you're looking for a specific episode, if you want to hear one from about a specific show that we've covered, or movie, or a specific character, uh, you can head to DCAUReview.com. Cal's done a great job setting up that site and making it real easy to uh, to navigate and uh, uh, filter your searches if you're looking for something specific. Yep. And you can find our whole back catalog going back there, all the way back to uh, episode number one. That's right. Way, 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 way back in the year 2017. How about that? All the way back to the year 2000. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, that'll wrap us up here. This was episode 52 of the DCAU Review. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I am Cal. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.